You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 91. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 22. At that time, Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and he went to the synagogue as his custom was on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read, and there was given to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. So we just heard the passage in which Jesus reads from the book of Isaiah in the synagogue of Nazareth. Father, would you discuss the significance of this event? Yeah, and let's begin at the beginning of chapter 4 to give ourselves a little more context. Sounds good. So how does uh, Luke chapter 4 begin? It begins with the relatively well-known story of Jesus being tempted. Mm -hmm. Right. This is the story where the the devil tries to get Jesus to turn stone into bread and and throw himself off of the, the pinnacle of the temple, correct? Yep, that's the right one. And what I want to highlight right now is the beginning of that story, how Luke tells us that Jesus, quote, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And what about that introductory statement uh, that you want to highlight there, Father? I want to highlight how Jesus was both filled with the Holy Spirit and was also then led by the Spirit. And what about that is important to our story today with Jesus reading in the temple? What's important is that after this temptation, we hear also then in verse 14, which together with verse 15 transitions us from the temptation story to the story that you read today, which takes up on uh, verse 16. And so it, it transitions us to the story of Jesus standing up and reading from Isaiah in the synagogue, where we hear that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Again, that was verse 14. So am I understanding correctly, Father, that the the point you're making here is that Jesus is being uh, led around by the Spirit and that is going to the synagogue in Nazareth and reading this passage we heard from Isaiah is Jesus following the Spirit's lead. In other words, he's doing God's work. Yes, correct. So Luke is making it clear that Jesus' reading in the synagogue in today's passage is blessed by God. It's ordained by God. Jesus was not just taking this task upon himself, but was simply following God's lead. Great. So I appreciate the context and that background. And so now let's look at uh, what's of importance about uh, our passage today uh, of Jesus reading from Isaiah to those in the synagogue. Yeah, a couple things to highlight, the first of which is that Jesus himself is highlighting in this passage an essential part of his ministry and one that Luke also stresses. Many scholars actually recognize that Luke's gospel in particular is quite heavy with this, and that is Jesus' teaching to reach out to the poor and the downtrodden. 
And of course, as we heard the text that Jesus read from Isaiah, this highlights that the gospel, the good news, comes to the poor. And the text from which you read uh, does not include this, but many of the texts do, uh, the same passage. Uh, They add that Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted. And so this text is highlighting what Jesus' ministry is all about. And then in the rest of Luke, we will see Jesus constantly reaching out to the poor, to the outcast, to the brokenhearted, to the despised, and reuniting them to God's chosen community. Thank you for that, Father. And perhaps you can explain also a question I have about this passage from Isaiah that Jesus read where it says he has come, quote, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What does that mean, the acceptable year of the Lord? Yeah, really good question. And it's a reference to the year of Jubilee and Jesus proclaiming it to be that that time, that season. I see. And so what exactly is the year of Jubilee? The year of Jubilee descends from and is connected to the years of sabbatical. And the year of sabbatical then was every seventh year. We think of the Sabbath being the seventh day. The sabbatical year was the seventh year. And that year was to be observed by the Jews as a year of rest, where the ground was left fallow and the people and the slaves would have rest and the ground would have rest and and the Jewish slaves were were, uh, to be set free. And the Jubilee is related because the year of Jubilee was the seventh of the seven years, meaning it was the 49th year, the seventh sabbatical. So every 50 years, you had the year of Jubilee as prescribed by the Mosaic Law. So then how is the year of Jubilee different from the years of sabbatical? Yeah, so the year of Jubilee was much different, actually. It's quite, quite radical. And how so? Well, the three primary aspects of the year of Jubilee are, are one, that you release your slaves, all of your slaves. They're freed, and they, and thus their heirs, are no longer enslaved, so they can become free. And then two, uh, that you release all debts, so no one owes anyone any longer. The debts are all freed. And then uh, the third important aspect, uh, that the land is returned to its original owners or to the original owner's heirs. So if you have acquired land from someone because they became poor and needed to sell on the year of Jubilee, it's then returned to them or to their heir if they're no longer living. And what is the purpose of this, Father? Well, it served a, a, a social purpose, which was basically to level the playing field. Because over time, some people are going to succeed more than others. And then as time goes on, that's going to give uh, their heirs an advantage. And just as importantly, if not more importantly, in the eyes of the biblical God, it disadvantages the heirs of those who became poor or who didn't achieve as much since the prior Jubilee. So the year of Jubilee is in place to essentially reset society and put everyone back on the equal footing. Well, I see what you mean about the year of Jubilee uh, being radical. I mean, this type of arrangement is certainly foreign to our society. The notion of freeing everyone's debt, the idea of giving up land that you or your family acquired because you've been more successful than others. And just this whole notion of resetting things, resetting society back at square one where 
everyone is on equal footing. Yeah, definitely radical. And, and not only is it unfamiliar to our culture and our society in the United States, but frankly, we're quite hostile to this type of idea or mindset. And honestly, one of the reasons I kind of chuckle to myself when I hear people talking about, you know, how we need to live in a biblical society, how we need to turn back to God and so forth, because pretty much without exception, uh, they're not talking about this part of the Bible. They're, it's often about uh, merely talking about God in schools or having Ten Commandments in the courtroom or legislating our own Christian morality. And, and I bring this up here just to say that we have to be careful to not merely pay lip service to God. If we're to be biblical people, if we're to have a biblical society, then we have to go all the way. We can't just pick and choose. And I'm not saying it's even possible, of course. I mean, how, how do you enforce people to live this way of life? Uh, I don't think you can, nor should you. But that's to a broader point I make. The Bible always has been and always will be countercultural. And that's true whether you lived in 1st century Palestine or 5th century Constantinople or 18th century Russia or 21st century America. To live a completely biblical lifestyle, it's difficult, it's demanding, because our human instincts and our societal instincts are often so contrary to the biblical message, such as the message that we just discussed here related to the year of Jubilee. So to conclude today, Father, I guess I would pick up on what you said about these concepts from the year of Jubilee, this resetting of society and going back to square one, going back towards starting on an equal footing versus advantaging or disadvantaging others based on their successors past, and how difficult that is for us. How well were these principles followed in the Bible? How well did uh, biblical Israel, for instance, follow these ideals? Yeah, the short answer is they, they didn't do a very good job of following them. And in fact, that's why we read in, in Jeremiah 34, the disobedience to the sabbatical and jubilee years being cited by God there, again in Jeremiah 34, is a main reason for God sending Israel into what we often refer to as the Babylonian captivity or into exile. So they were punished for not following the jubilee and the sabbatical. And what then specifically did God say about this in Jeremiah? Well, what happened is that Israel followed the rule of the sabbatical and the jubilee law uh, in word, but not in spirit. Mm. And what do you mean by that? Well, so they kept the law, you know, just the letter of the law by freeing their slaves. So that part they did. But where they failed was the spirit of the law because then they turned right back around and immediately enslaved them again. So in other words, it was just a temporary freedom. It was just paying lip service. They did not actually reset things, as was the intention, as I mentioned, behind the sabbatical and the jubilee. And I bring this up to show that it was a serious, serious issue in the eyes of God. And we know this not only was it part of the Mosaic law, but because it was specifically cited again in Jeremiah 34 as one of the main reasons for Israel's exile. Thank you, Father. Before discussing today's reading, we took a step back and were reminded that just prior to our reading today from Luke 4, Jesus was tempted by the devil, and he was both filled and led by the Holy Spirit. This language makes clear that Jesus' reading in the synagogue was blessed by God. And this reading from Isaiah highlights the gospel coming to the poor, and throughout Luke's gospel, we see this play out in Jesus' ministry. We then discussed what is meant by proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord. Father Aaron explained that this is a reference to the year of Jubilee, which occurred every 50 years. In this year of Jubilee, the Mosaic Law prescribed what we might consider quite radical actions. For example, 
All slaves were to be freed, all debts were to be forgiven, and all land was to be returned to the original owners and their heirs. This was a way in which society would be reset and everyone placed on equal footing. While this seems quite contrary to our modern society, these ideas are at opposition to everyone and at all times because the Bible has always been countercultural. To live a completely biblical lifestyle is difficult and demanding because our human and societal instincts are often so contrary to the biblical message. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God. O our God.